Hi, I'm uh, Sapan Gai, Chief Commercial Officer of Sovereign Metals. Uh, Sovereign is aiming to develop an environmentally and socially sustainable operation at its Casio project in Malawi to essentially become a major supplier of highly sought after critical raw materials to tackle uh, global climate change. Safan, good to see you again. Um, I haven't seen you for a while, um, but you've got a new scoping study out. So are the numbers improved? Amazingly. Yeah, we couldn't be happier with the uh, with the numbers that came out. Uh, Matt, we, we basically, as you know, after our chat previously, we put out a new resource. That resource number had tripled what we had before. We can quite comfortably say Casilla is now a the largest rutile deposit ever discovered, but because it also includes a byproduct of graphite, it's one of the largest graphite deposits ever discovered. Both rutile, which is essentially titanium dioxide, and graphite are you know essentially critical raw materials used in everything from your 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 batteries in electric vehicles, fuel cells, solar wind power, everything requires the, these these metals. And we're doing what we can to to get into that space as a as a true, truly big player. Okay, so truly, truly big looks like what's happened because um, last time out it was NPV8 of 861, IRR 36%. What's it look like today? Uh, look, so our NPV, our net present value of the, the project, and this these numbers are based on only still mining 30% of the deposits resource. We're talking over one and a half billion dollars of uh, NPV. We're talking an IRR still very robust at 36%. Um, we are for an initial capital outlay of $370 million. We're producing EBITDA of $320 million per year over about 25 years. So, so, so real, real good payback. Okay. So let, let, let's talk about a couple of things where you know, people sent questions in and trying to understand. You, know, you had a great response after um, our interview. You know, I think you, I'm sure you're doing lots of other marketing as well. You went from 55 cents up to 84 cents. Um, people kind of like what they heard, obviously. And obviously the markets have been a little bit rough sense for everyone. Um, <laughs> but in terms of you, doing what you do you're talking about okay we've got kind of got this big scale we've we've kind of got our retail we've kind of got our graphite but you're inserting stuff into what market are you going after china are you going after europe i mean how do you move this forward in a commercial sense putting out scoping studies is great but how does it actually how do you actually make money yeah so look the, the simple answer to that question on the retail front is everyone needs titanium, right? And titanium dioxide. We, we've talked about the end uses of paints, pigments, or, or, or all that kind of good stuff. A good anecdotal evidence of what we're trying to do here is, for example, when um, Ukraine got invaded, you know, the likes of Rolls-Royce, Airbus, Boeing, they were they were getting their, um, their titanium out of Russia. And all of a sudden, they obviously had to self-sanction those, those, those supply routes. And those supply chains, Russia provides about fifty percent of titanium metal into 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 the world. So you know, where what we're looking at here is inserting ourselves as a huge potential supplier of um, of, of titanium dioxide as well as the graphite into into markets that these products are going to be used. For, for you know decades to come right I mean it's all well and good to kind of talk talking about um you know 
sanctions and you know potential sanctions that make make come down the line on Russia. But you know, it, it, you are where you are today, right? I'm interested in the commerciality of this. You're the commercial officer, right? So you've got to go go through the usual phases. Um, how long is that going to take? You've got a circa twenty million bucks uh, available to you. How far can you go with that? In what time frame? Because to kind of usurp Russia or any other kind of these supply chains, mm-hmm. you've got to have a really clear vision in your head where are you going. So the question stands: Are you going off to China? Are you going off to Europe? I mean, what, what are you aiming at? So look, I, we've obviously got uh, had discussions with end users of these products, um, and we have been in those discussions for quite some time. There's no doubt when it comes to the Rutal that yes, it is a global market, um, but there is much more value in uh, supplying into the the European, US, and ex-China markets. Um, Why? So so China obviously produces uh, a fair whack of titanium dioxide. And look, there's two main ways of producing it. And without getting, turning this into a chemistry lesson, the one big factor that our Rutal has and our graphite has over our current alternative products is just the massively low CO2 footprint. You know, our once our titanium dioxide ends up in a tin of paint versus, um, you know, synthetic rutile, for example, you're saving about 35% of the CO2 emissions. I mean, on average, I, and I was calculating this in the cab the other day, but if you look at a five litre tin of paint that you get from, you know, your DIY shop, that's about seven and a half. So let's call it seven kilos in weight. Um, and for those seven kilos, you're putting about, uh, you know, you're, you're basically putting two extra CO2 kilos up a chimney stack right now versus what you could do with Casia. So what we're doing is we're basically saving about 35% to 50% of the CO2 emissions in a tin of paint. So if you want low carbon paint, for example, you'd use Casillas uh, Rutile. But, but tell me this, in a, in a market like this, where people's disposable income, discretionary spend is being absolutely hammered, do you think that companies are gonna wanna produce more expensive Materials, whether it be paint, whether it be toothpaste, or, or, or whatever, to sell into a market which can't afford that stuff. I mean, how? What does this look like going forward for you? Why? Why, why are companies banging on about CO two? Why is that important? Yeah. Look. So. 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 Firstly, obviously, there's there's the whole multi generational change, and we all want to do things sustainably. But we can actually put hard numbers around this, right? Because, for example, you're you're, you're a pigment producer in Europe. Um, under EU regulations, you have to pay uh, EU carbon permits. You have to buy those to put CO2 up your, your chimney stack, right? So up until recently, that was about 100 euros per tonne. So if you're saving, you know, a couple of tonnes of CO2 emission, that's a couple of hundred euros that you're saving per tonne of product. So it's a real, you know, it's a real top, not just top line thing, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cost uh, cost line factor as well that um, that you know users of our products would would, would want to look at. So what are you saying? You're saying that because yours has got better CO2 credentials, products using you know your materials will be cheaper than some of the more CO2 um, inefficient um, 
you know, uh, c companies. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work out again why do, why would people buy you versus the guy down the road with you know less CO2 uh, credentials? Uh, look, that 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 basically comes down down to this, right? How many times nowadays do we go into the shop and do we see uh, a more sustainably produced or packaged good? How often do we see you know everything from low CO2 beer? I had one of those a few days ago, right? And and it may be 20p extra a can, but people are paying that, right? So to to ensure that they are uh, they're, they're moving in a sustainable way. Now you're talking about today with the uh, with the whole kind of cost of living crisis that we're living through right now. Um, the, the the thing is that our goods are continuing to go. Uh, our products will continue to go into everyday um, consumer products. They're not just industrial metals they go into your toothpaste your sun sun cream all that kind of good stuff food products as well right and those that are going to sustain those companies that are going to sustain themselves over the coming decades aren't going to be those who are who are cutting costs in order to harm the environment right and are harming the environment sorry harming the environment to cut costs those who are going to sustain over the coming coming years are going to be the, the the guys who are putting sustainability, who are putting you know environmental factors at, at at the forefront of what they're doing. And yes, that may increase costs in the short term, but they're going to be the products that are in demand in in, in the longer term. I see. I, 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 I would I would argue that, um, that desperate times. I mean, you know, desperate people do desperate things, right? And quite frankly, the CO two emissions is last on my list. I'm not concerned about that unless the government makes it all relative. I.e., they tax companies that aren't doing that. They're going to have to make that call, and then you know, then there's a kind of there's a kind of parity. But um, and this is why I'm asking companies like you, you know, how do you insert yourselves into this new low carbon economy or zero carbon economy, uh, and why your products will be you know front of the queue and not um, sitting behind the kind of cheaper products. So. That, that's the question I'm trying to get answered. Yeah. So look, I think uh, I think on that, yes, obviously governments have started moving policy towards sustainability. It means, of course, you get those those carbon permits you have to pay for in the EU. You get taxed on your 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 pollutive effects as a corporate. But also, there are billions of dollars of grants and you know uh, available to companies that are moving. I guess the world in the right direction. Okay, now you're talking my language. Okay, so you've kind of got a, you talked about a kind of capex or with the PFS, a capex of 370 million bucks, clearly kind of mixture of equity, debt, et cetera. So talk to me about these, if you're saying Europe's the smart way to go, these European grants, who's that coming from? Where's that coming from? Again, again, companies come on here and talk broad blanket, but I want to understand what you're doing about it, what conversations are you having? What's your expectation here? Because the cost of capital for you and for me as a shareholder is super important. Yeah, so look, I'll talk talk about it in two buckets. Firstly, the Rutile side, so the titanium side. We, we Again, we've been in discussions with a lot of, uh, a lot of like future customers of ours. Um, and all those customers are, you know, testing our product, taking it, putting it through their own, their own processes, seeing if it works, et cetera, et cetera. We feel like so far everything's been, been hunky dory on that front, right? In fact, we signed an MOU earlier this year with Hascor, who are a big, uh, big player in the welding industry when it comes to use of titanium there. And they tested our product, came back, said it meets every spec we wanted. Uh, let's go for that. 
and and and, and they signed an MOU for twenty five thousand tons of this stuff. You, you you can probably quite comfortably um, guess that more of these MOUs will probably surface as we as we kind of pass get 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 an okay from uh, future future uh, players on the graphite side, right? As I've said multiple times, graphite doesn't just end up in pencils, right? It makes about half the weight of a lithium-ion battery, um, and 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 you know, I, I I'd like anyone who, who who hasn't quite kind of got that to go search for uh, for for Elon Musk on 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 YouTube and his battery day back in 2016, where he said our batteries shouldn't be called lithium-ion; they should be called nickel-graphite batteries, and 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 the lithium is almost a a, the salt on the salad of a battery, he said. And so, 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 so when you co- when when you come down to the basics, that you can't have EVs without a certain amount of graphite in there, right? In, now you imagine that the the EV uh, market, even in these times, the EV market is set to increase twelve fold over the next kind of 15, 16 years. Imagine how much graphite is needed. In fact. Don't imagine. Go on our website. Look at uh, look at look at our presentation because on there we've shown that by 2030 demand will be outstripping supply. You know the the the, the entire world's graphite can only produce up to two and a half million tons per year, and we're looking at demand going up to uh, by 2040 going up to around 10 to 12 million tons per year. So where is all that going to come from? You know, that's a, it's a question to be, uh, to be to be considered for the ages. But uh, but you know, we're we're inserting ourselves into that now. I'm talking millions of tons. Our scoping study only envisages about 150,000 tons of graphite coming out as a byproduct. So it's not like we are going to be the biggest player in the market. Yes, we have one of the largest graphite deposits in the world. Yes, we consider it's going to be the lowest cost graphite in the world, but we're not, you know, we're not breaking the supply demand system here by by producing what we're looking to produce. But are you important enough for these OEMs or battery manufacturers um, to take note of, or are you just supplying into um, the market more broadly and, you know, via a trader or, or, or whatever? I mean, how how important are you? Do you need to be speaking to OEMs? Do you need to be speaking to battery manufacturers, um, or is you treating this as a you know just that a byproduct? I mean, how important is it in terms of the scoping study economically for you? Yeah, look. So we're, we're, in terms of the economics of it, it's uh, the, the graphite is about 35 percent of of total revenues. So it's so it's significant, right? But the capital outlay is probably about ten to fifteen percent of that. So it's it's not a huge capital outlay, so it makes total sense for us to be producing this graphite. Um, and look, we're doing everything we can to understand and get into markets where this graphite would be relevant. Not all graphite is the same. You know, we're, lots of graphite players talk about size distribution of the flakes, et cetera, et cetera. But graphite needs certain chemical properties to be able to be used in, in batteries. And once they're in the battery, they act very differently to other graphite graphite products in other batteries. Um, for example, you know, there's, there's things about purity. You need it, you need it as pure as possible, you know, 99.5% pure. Um, and we're looking at how pure can our graphite get. You know, you need 
what's known as crystallinity, which is basically how electrically conductive is this graphite. The more crystalline it is, the more conductive it is, and therefore the higher performing the graphite is. So ultimately, you know, we know the graphite coming out of Cassia is very high purity and has high crystallinity. So we know that it can be used in certain batteries. What we're figuring out is what are those batteries, right? Does it end up in, in, in an electric Ford Fiesta or does it end up in a, you know, in an Aston Martin? And that, 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 those are the things that we're figuring out. And that's the work we're doing kind of behind the scenes and, 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 and putting together test work programs to figure that out before we go to the absolute end OEMs and say, hey guys, this is how our battery performs. Because there's no point say going to those guys and saying, hey, we've got graphite and we've got tons of it and we can produce it very, very cheaply. And it, it'll probably work in your batteries, but we don't know exactly how, because you know, all the any of those blue chip players are not going to go, go, going to want to discuss anything until you know exactly what those parameters in terms of the work is. So you don't you don't necessarily then understand the total size of the opportunity ahead of you, do you do you? Because you've got to work out what the use the use case is. You're gonna do some work. Presumably that's not in isolation from these OEMs. You must understand today broadly is it going to be used for in a in a high nickel battery scenario you know whatever lithium ion battery anode or it's going to be you know a kind of smaller uh less powerful battery I mean, you must know that today so what exactly are you doing and who exactly are you working with to come up with that answer well look that's exactly what we're we're, we're figuring out now and we've uh uh we, we've actually got labs that we're working with in Europe and the US in terms of not not just what does the end product graphite look like, but how do you get there? Because again, you know, we want to be environmentally sustainable. There's no point having, I feel it a little dis disingenuous having a an electric vehicle where the components of the battery have been made in very unsustainable ways, right? For example, the graphite, uh, or the graphite in a in a in in, in a uh, lithium ion battery. A lot of it is actually synthetic graphite, and synthetic graphite is mainly produced out of out of China. And you know, we've done we, we've had independent consultants do the work to show that for every ton of that synthetic graphite that's produced, about 20, 21 tons of CO two emissions are released into the atmosphere, right? And that, that that's the equivalent of what one tree absorbs. So uh, in, in a year, so so you know, we've looked at well, how does that compare to us? And the way we're going to be producing the graphite under the parameters of the scoping study, and we're we're ninety nine percent lower CO two emissions than synthetic graphite coming out of China. Why are you so keen to talk about the, the this this kind of lower carbon footprint? Is it because that's just a USP for you? Or is there genuine, I'm trying to, again, educate share, uh, not just your shareholders, but investors looking in here and going, there, is there inordinate pressure from the European ecosystem, you know, the Battery Alliance and, and those sorts of guys from the governments to say, this is coming. It's, there's, there's no kind of regulation necessarily or, or threat today, but if your company is not built to deal with these issues in the future, um, you're going to be penalised, and that's going to hurt you economically. I mean, why, why keep talking about it now? Because again, the people, lots of polarising views on 
ESG around the environment, around these kind of carbon credits um, um, ecosystems that we're seeing. How real are they? I guess is what I'm asking you, Sapa. Look, the the bottom line on a on a day to day basis for me as CCO here um, is twofold. And number one, obviously, government policy on a macro level is headed that way and continues to head that way. Number two, a lot of the money from institutional investors and funds out there that, you know, we obviously need cash to become, you know, a a leader in what we want to do. In order to tap those funds, you know, that money is sat there to be put into sustainable, ESG-friendly areas, you know, where, where, where they can see hard figures, not just a lot of the I hate the word, but you know the greenwashing that 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 happens in 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 a lot of um, a, a lot of industries these days. But in in you know kind of um, real empirical evidence that that there is a sustainable way of doing stuff in the mining space. Can, uh, can, can, know, can I can I come back to the, the the reality? Okay, because I think it's really really important because again, just dealing with all the mixed messages out there, right? You know, he polices the police is is, is kind of where mm-hmm. I'm going with this one. Which okay. Governments are not there yet, but it's coming down the line. So, so come back to that. How real is it? You, you're making yourself future-proof, right? So that's part one of your answer. And then part two, which was these funds, these green funds have just had an ass whooping by the SEC for greenwashing themselves, right? Yep. So, you know, it doesn't help with the with the whole narrative, right? <laughs> so. Um, for you guys, going back at, 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 at the industrial level, you know, sort of the mining level, and I, I assume at some point you'll kind of want to move downstream and, and you become industrial materials or minerals or however you want to describe yourself. But this, this is real, is what I'm trying to get at. We're not just kind of, it's not a facade. So you're doing this because it's important because it will have an economic effect down the line. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. There's, there's no doubt there'll be more electric vehicles on the streets, right? So whether that's whether that's government or consumer driven i think we're all aligned that that is coming that is going to happen in order for that to happen the world needs graphite we know that we are going to move to renewable energy at some point right there's only so many finite fossil fuels in the world and you know we're going to get to a point where wind and solar is important therefore the rutile plays a major part in 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 the clean tech space um so you know as you said, we are future-proof um, in, in that sense. We're also, you know, kind of, we, we like to hope that we're economic-proof because you'd think, you know, a, a, an end car manufacturer looking at the components of its, uh, of its next electric vehicle will want to put in what they consider truly green products. Which is why, you know, again, we've put with the first thing we did was not say, oh, we've got graphite that ends up in lithium ion batteries. Therefore, we are a green company. No, we went back and said, okay, if we were to produce this graphite, what would be the actual global warming potential of this versus what is used right now? And those are the numbers that I'm giving you and telling you that our graphite would be a 99% lower um, global warming potential than than the alternatives that are coming out of China. Now, you 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 put that in front of a car manufacturer and say, I could say, say pretty much all the 
um, CO2 emissions going into your car battery, uh, car battery anode, uh, which is what the graphite essentially is. That's a, that's a big sell. It, it is. Like, I, I get it. The kind of low risk, you know, a lot of water involved in, in your mining process. It's low risk, low carbon footprint operations selling into a kind of critical minerals uh, environment. So yeah, I, I get it. Very, very, very green. But um, with, with regards to you know how you insert yourselves into those economies, that's the bit I'm interested in, in terms of the step change that I need to see from you guys because you know you kind of got a good valuation for where you're at today. Um, you know, this obviously this the scoping study is pretty big numbers involved there in terms of the NPV, fantastic, IRR, fantastic. But you've kind of got to come back to the market and say, right, okay, in terms of what we're producing and who we're selling into, we can give you, here's the certainty we can give you in terms of that route to market, that, that cash flow. And I'm sort of interested in how you do that and the time frame in which you do that and what, what you kind of see as the kind of major, you know, milestones along that journey, um, say for the next 12 months. Yeah. So look, that, that, that all comes back down to the discussions we're having with potential off-takers. Um, all under NDA, so I'm not going to tell you who they are. Uh, anyone with, uh, with with access to Google can probably Google who the big players in the uh, in in both the titanium and the graphite spaces are, which are ever increasing these days. Uh, but uh, but you know we are we are in discussions with pretty much all the major players in that in on that front, and you will see over time how you know we've put in the scoping study how much we can produce. And you will see over time how each one of our MOUs will hopefully take a chunk of that production to a to a point where we can, you know, essentially say all of our product is getting getting sold to this this basket of customers. 